1: It's time for the General Cigar Dave.
0: Ah, I am so looking forward to having a fantastic cigar, a fantastic libation, and, of course, talking about the alpha male good life. And as we start a new year here, back in Command Center Alpha Humidor 1A, wouldn't you know that during our hiatus, the enemies of pleasure, the pleasure police, of course couldn't take two or three weeks off. They reared their ugly heads once again, and as I am fully rested, I am ready to take on the enemies of pleasure in 2015. They do not stand a chance. For when we talk about alpha male pleasure, we will be undeterred, as we will enjoy all the things associated with the good life, cigars, spirits, diversions, dice, dames, front and center right here on The Cigar Dave Show. Long-ass greetings and salutations, a long-ass snappy salute, Semper Delictatio. Always pleasure, America's alpha male front and center. We are back after our hiatus. Hope you had a magnificent holiday season. We are ready to get started on 2015. Have no idea where 2014 went, but in a flash... It was gone, and frankly, I am thrilled that it is gone. Looking forward to a uh, much brighter and better year ahead. Lieutenants, as always, we welcome you to follow us not only electronically here on the radio or via the Cigar Dave mobile app, but as well on our social media sites, at Cigar Dave Show for Twitter, Facebook.com slash Cigar Dave to keep uh, up with all that is going on where you get me 24-7. We've got a ton to get to, but first, it is my pleasure to welcome from the very frigid Western New York Theater of Operations, from the pooch pit that is heated tonight, the great Colonel Ange. Colonel, I hope that you are bundled up. General, just a little bit of buffalo, long
2: ashes, General. It's just a little bit of buffalo cold. This isn't anything that, that we have to get used to.
0: Well, earlier in the week here in the Cigar City, it was a little cold as well. I mean, it got down to, I think, 38, 40 degrees, and uh, uh, what was it yesterday? It was only a high, uh, about 65, 67, a little chilly for this time of year down here, but I like the change of weather, I like being able to uh, have to wear a pullover, although you guys have to wear your uh, mink coats out there. You have to wear your mink stoles.
2: We have, we have live mink general that live right in here, We just, they just crawl up on you and do it. That's what you have. To
0: and have. it's not bad enough that PETA, of course, not the original people eating tasty animals, but the other PETA is not mad enough that we're already cooking tons of great dead animals. Now they're going to be really ticked wearing live, uh, live animals, live fur to keep you warm. Well, Colonel Ange, the last number of weeks, it has been nonstop with people asking me all about Cuban cigars. When can we buy Cuban cigars? The Cuban cigar embargo is over. It's lifted. To which point I said, not exactly. So I had to spend probably the last two, two and a half weeks of the holiday season telling everyone I ran into that Cuban cigars are still not legal. You can still technically not buy Cuban cigars and ship them into the country. What you are allowed to do as part of uh, President Obama's announced normalization of relations with Cuba was that during a trip, a legal trip to Cuba, American citizens may bring up to $100 worth of Cuban cigars legally back in the United States and a total of $400 of any Cuban goods. Now, the, there is one exception that you are limited to $100 of cigars and or Cuban libations total. So if you want to buy one cigar and one bottle of rum and it comes to $100, you're okay. If it comes to 101, Technically, you're not okay. But the big question I received from people was, you know, when are we going to be able to buy Cuban cigars? And it's just a matter of time before the embargo is lifted. And that is not necessarily the case. While President Obama had the legal authority to normalize diplomatic relations, he does not have the authority to lift the embargo. The Helms-Burton Act must be rescinded by an act of Congress by both the House and Senate and signed by the president. And I don't see that happening anytime soon. A number of people have said, well, if I do go to Cuba, what cigars should I buy? And and when Cuba, Cuban cigars are available in the United States, nobody's going to buy, everybody's going to buy Cuban cigars, to which point I said that is not true. Now, Colonel Ange, you live on the border. Being in Buffalo, you're very close to Canada. I'm sure you have partaken in some Cuban contraband. And I'm sure you will agree with me that relative to the price you pay for Cuban cigars – Uh, and compare that quality-wise and price-wise to the Honduran, Nicaraguan, or Dominican cigars that we all enjoy, there is no comparison. The Cuban cigars lose every single time.
2: General, you're absolutely right. I mean, Canada is west of Buffalo, not north, so it's an easy trip, as you well know. And I have done that. I made the trip up there, and I've bought a Cuban cigar or two over the years. And in Canada, probably for a uh, Cohiba, uh, the run-of-the-mill, not the high-end Cohibas. You're probably going to spend about forty dollars American for that cigar, and I can buy four Diamond Crown, which are much better cigars. Enjoy them even more. It's it's really insane. I just don't understand this this passion for Cuban cigars.
0: Well, I'll tell you what it is, and this is what I told everyone because a lot of people didn't even sm- don't smoke cigars. Said to me, "Well, Cuban cigars are the best," and I said. Why, why do you think that? Tell me your rationale. Well, that's what everybody says. Well, my response is, yes, Cuban cigars were the best until 1959, 1960, when Castro came in and nationalized the cigar industry and stole the cigar companies from their rightful owners. And when communism took place and you weren't paying rollers top dollar, instead you paid them like a doctor, like any other worker, like a, a, a maid, any other worker in Cuba where you get your $20 a month and your rations of food, there's not going to be that, uh, that that passion. There's not going to be that incentive to roll the absolute best cigars. And for many years, Cuba did did not have the great fertilizers. They did not have the advanced agronomical techniques. So what has happened, Cuban cigars, in many cases, are not aged the way they should be, like Dominican, Honduran, and Nicaraguan cigars. They're very expensive. Now, you brought up, you can spend up to $40. Let me give you an example. If you go into Cuba today and want to purchase cigars, you're going on a legal visit, you are allowed to bring up to $100 worth of Cuban cigars back. When you go to one of Havana's Cigar stores, and there are many, and they are they're very good cigar stores. They carry all the, the Habanos products. You will not be able to pay in dollars. You have to pay in what's called CUCs, which are Cuban convertible pesos, which is pegged to the price of the U.S. dollar. However, there is a 10% VIG taken by the Cuban government. So if you go to exchange 100 U.S. dollars, you are getting 90 CUCs, or Cuban convertible pesos back. So basically, they're taking 10% of the VIG. Now, here's the deal. One of my favorite Cuban cigars is a Cohiba Siglo 6. A Cohiba Siglo 6 is a very good cigar, but when you buy it, in my estimation, it still has to go into a humidor for at least six months to really get maximum enjoyment out of it. You're talking 20 U.S. dollars or actually 22 U.S. dollars because of the CUC conversion. So you're talking 22 bucks in Cuba. Now, what would $22 buy you here in the United States? Well, you could get yourself a Davidoff Nicaragua. Now, you also talked about a Julius Caesar or a Diamond Crown, or Diamond certainly Brown. an Opus X, a Monte Cristo. I would put any of those cigars at 12 to $15, up against a $22 Cohiba Siglo 6. If you want to buy a Cohiba Pejique BHK56, expensive cigar, in Cuba, where the prices are still probably the best in the world, you are looking at uh, about 35 U.S. dollars. Now, for $35, Colonel Ange, you can get yourself a couple of great Padron 1926s. Maybe you can get three of them. And again... I would put any one of those padrones up against a cohiba, whether it's a, a, a bahike, a siglo six, you name it. So the fact that siglo ma- six,
2: general, it's siglo six in Canada right now, and, and again, that, that's eight miles from where I live. If you get it close to the border, is almost sixty dollars.
0: And the reason is because the Canadians have a huge provincial and federal excise tax on cigars. It is outrageous. And that's why the price of cigars in, in Canada are extremely expensive. So people have said to me, well, what would happen if all of a sudden Cuban cigars were available? This is exactly what I've told everybody, and this is what I'm telling all of you today. There would be a mini cigar renaissance. Just like we saw in the cigar boom back in the mid-90s, there would be another cigar renaissance. Wouldn't call it a boom because when we take a look at cigars today compared to, say, 20 years ago, the market is five times what it was 20 years ago for premium hand-rolled cigars. Would there be a little bit of experimentation? And the answer is absolutely, yes. Would people want to try it? Sure. I call it the Coors Beer Forbidden Fruit Syndrome. 20 years ago, Before Coors beer was available east of the Mississippi, there was a huge fascination with Coors beer. Anybody going out west, people from the east would say, hey, make sure you bring us back a uh, six-pack of silver bullets of Coors beer. I had on my floor at Syracuse University in 1982, one of my uh, classmates lived in my dorm, was from Boulder, Colorado, and he would bring back, after winter break and spring break, he would bring back two cases— of Coors silver bullets for us and we thought we were big shots because hey you can't get Coors east of the Mississippi well what happened when you can get Coors now at every Circle K 7-Eleven or supermarket in the United States Colonel Ange there's no longer that big attraction is there
2: no general that happens all the time in fact I I relish the opportunity they're going to find out that they've been smoking cigars that are much better and less expensive for years it's going to happen. Around here, it's the uh, Jenny Cream syndrome. You remember Gen- Genesee Cream Ale?
0: The great outdoors in a glass, Jenny Cream Ale. There you go. You know, people would move away, and they would
2: have that shipped all over. If I ship some to a, a, a fellow all the way in Seattle, Washington, it's at best a mediocre beer. But you can't get it there, so it's got to be special, right? It isn't.
0: It isn't. But that's what the Cuban cigar forbidden fruit syndrome is. People want what they can have. And I see plenty of people that know I'm a, a expert, a connoisseur in cigars, and they bring me into their office and they say, let me show you something. And they open up their humidor and they think they're big shots because they have all these Cuban cigars. And they go, that's all I smoke is Cuban cigars. And I say to them, I feel badly for you because you are missing out on the best cigars in the world that come from Nicaragua, the Dominican Republic, and Honduras. And, of course, they argue with me and I say, buy what you want Pay four times the price. You're a big shot because you think, you know, you've got something that nobody else can get. That's really what it is. So there would be a mini renaissance, a mini cigar boom. People would experiment. People would try it. But just remember, the prices will not be $6 or $8 or $10. Chances are the prices that we'll see for these cigars are similar to what we see in Cuba now. So that Cohiba Siglo Six that you want is twenty bucks. The Bahique is going to be thirty-one bucks. One of my favorites, a Hoya de Monterey Double Corona, twelve bucks. Now for twelve dollars, I can get a lot of cigar, multiple cigars, here in the United States today. So there would be an experimentation, and then what would happen is people would say, you know, I tried those Cuban cigars. I have to tell you, not so great. Now some people may say, hey, I love the Cuban taste, great. But the overwhelming majority of people will go back to their perdomos, back to their padrones, back to their Monte Cristos, back to their Romeos, back to their brick houses, back to their diamond crowns. That and back to the Rocky Patels. That is absolute fact. So my prediction is when we do see Cuban cigars available, there will be a Renaissance number one. People will buy them, the prices will be high, and after things settle out after three months, six months, we'll start to see a normalization. Now I did get very interesting. I was able through one of my sources in Spain, an unnamed source that I'm sworn to secrecy. Habanos believes that approximately 15 to 20 million Cuban cigars are coming into the United States via online retailers that sell Cuban cigars in Europe, in Hong Kong, the Canary Islands, other Asia, other parts of the world that are being shipped here. They, they believe that. I got this from a well-placed source, so they know there is already a market. The question is, how many people that 15, 20 million, how many more people or how many more cigars will they sell if all of a sudden those people no longer need to buy them uh, from overseas illegally? They can buy them in any cigar store or a Habanos in their city. I think the fact of the matter is... It's not going to be so great. So we will have to see. All I can say is if you want to try a Cuban cigar, if you do visit Cuba legally, go ahead, try it. But I believe that when you look at the price and look at the construction and compare it to one of the cigars that we can purchase legally here in the United States, any of the uh, premium cigars, the choice clearly is the Dominican, Honduran, and Nicaraguan cigars. And I find it very interesting. Here's a little-known fact. When Cuba did not have enough tobacco, They quietly bought tobacco from Nicaragua. I will just leave it at that. We will continue front and center. Colonel Ange from the, Europe, or from the I was going to say European Theater of Operations, from the Western New York Theater of Operations in the Pooch Pit is joining us as our uh, special co-host uh, today. We have much more to get to. Can't wait to get to my litation ceremony, a Rocky Patel prohibition, and a special complimentary libation. Much more front and center as we continue. The General is now on Instagram.
1: Follow him for pictures of the latest cigars, libations, and what he's enjoying during the show. <laughs> That could be interesting, and we'll have to block out some faces. Go to Instagram and search Cigar Day.
3: Wow!
4: The new Super Lee Harrow from Rocky Patel. That's right. This seed took years of development. This is a new varietal from Costa Rica. Years of planning, years of research, and working with the Plasencia family, we have a seed called the Super Ligero. That's the magic in this new cigar. This cigar has a unique wrapper from St. Augustine, from the mountains of Honduras. That's right, Nemesh, and that's why this cigar is so special. Because it has a character that is very, very different than all of the cigars. In fact. Whether you're a novice, amateur, professional, full-body smoker, you're going to love this cigar because this character with the Super Ligero and the St. Augustine wrapper just delivers a lot of unique flavors that everyone's going to enjoy. Look for it in your local retailers coming this October.
0: The brand-new Cigar Dave mobile app for both iPhone and Android devices is finally out. If you go right now, either to the iTunes Store or the Google Play Store. Search for Cigar Dave and download our brand new app. It allows you to listen to the show live on your mobile device. You can listen to all of our podcasts. The last 10 podcasts are always available, Cigar Dave Daily Briefings. Additionally, it gives you direct access any place, anywhere. Go right now to the iTunes Store or Google Play Store and download the brand-new Cigar Dave mobile app. In
5: 1964, José O. Padrón began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle. Always focus on quality, never on quantity.
6: Madrid.
1: Like a wolf feasting on a sheep's carcass, the general viciously shreds the enemies of pleasure and licks his
0: blood-soaked chops with the taste of victory. We are always victorious against the enemies of pleasure, and I will tell you about the enemies of sledding a bit later in the show. Uh, Colonel Ange, front and center from the Western New York Theater of Operations, our uh, guest co-host today. Colonel Ange, there is good friends of both you and I and, of course, the entire Cigar Dave crew, and many of our listeners know the Newman family. The J.C. Newman Cigar Company this year is turning 120 years old. They are the oldest uh, cigar com- family-owned cigar company in the United States at one time. There were hundreds and hundreds of family-owned cigar companies, but they are the oldest at uh, 120 years old. And every special anniversary, they always seem to come out with a new cigar or some sort of special wrinkle. And I was at the 100th, I remember, 20 years ago. In September of 1995, I had just started the show about four months prior, and Bobby and Eric Newman were kind enough to invite me to their 100th anniversary celebration at the Tampa Yacht Club where they debuted the Diamond Crown Cigar. And needless to say, that's an incredible cigar that here it is 20 years later is still doing exceptionally well. It's a super premium cigar, and I know, Colonel Ange, you are very You have a a big affinity towards the diamond crown
2: yes i do general in fact probably the best diamond crown i ever had i had to uh i had to abscond from your humidor and uh, when we talked to eric he asked me where did i find that uh, maduro Figueroa number six and i told him the only place in town that had them, cigar dave's humidor
0: that's right and my pleasure to 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 let you enjoy that 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 to take it i mean that's what cigars are all about so the Diamond Crown Maximus was launched for their 110th anniversary. And for in 2010, for J.C. Newman's what would have been his 135th birthday, they launched the Julius Caesar by Diamond Crown. So we'll see if they have a little twist up their sleeve. but. 1895, <clears throat> excuse me, Julius Caesar Newman, a Hungarian immigrant founded the JC Newman Cigar Company in Cleveland, Ohio. They moved to the cigar city of Tampa in 54. The rest is history. Happy anniversary to JC Newman.
1: The Cigar Dave Officers Club selection this month is Kentucky Fire Cured by Drew Estate. KFC is an extension of the My Uzi Ways a Ton brand. It can be easily compared to the smoky taste attributed to a peaty scotch. The Kentucky Fire Cured picks up nuances of roasted hickory, oak, or maple. Not a member of the Officers Club? Sign up today at CigarDave.com. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to
0: enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Well, the December 2014 Officers Club selection was the Rocky Patel Prohibition. Rocky talked about this cigar last July at the Cigar Retailers Convention. And at the time, he said, I wanted, I was inspired by the FDA's attack on those of us that enjoy premium cigars. Just like they attacked, or back in the Prohibition days, back uh, earlier in, in the twenty-first, 20th century, the enemies of libations went after alcoholic beverages here in the United States. And he said, Prohibition didn't work then, and it will not work today. So he's inspired by the FDA's attack on cigars. He wanted to send a message to government bureaucrats. So he created the Rocky Patel Prohibition. Two different versions of the Rocky Patel Prohibition. They both come in a Prohibition-style bootlegger type of jar where they used to make the moonshine. Big jar, twist-off cap. Two different versions. There is a Connecticut Broadleaf Maduro version and a San Andreas Maduro version. Now, both of these blends use binder and filler from Rockies Farms down in Nicaragua, 100%. But the wrapper gives it a slightly different complexion. The Connecticut Broadleaf Maduro is rich and sweet, some spicy nuances on the medium bodied side. The San Andreas Marone is sweet and earthy, notes of spice and cedar, a little bit of nutty flavor. Long toasty finish is more on the medium to full-bodied side. So Connecticut Broadleaf, which is known for its sweetness, and then the San Andrean Marone, which is or Maduro, which is a lovely wrapper, very popular. That was the big story coming out of the 2014 Cigar Retailers Convention. The number of cigars using that San Andrean Marone or Maduro wrapper. It is a delicious wrapper. Now, the prohibition in the Connecticut Broadleaf Maduro comes with a burgundy band with white lettering. And it doesn't even say Rocky Patel. There's a little RP on the side. It just says Prohibition. So burgundy band, white lettering, is the Connecticut Broadley version. The San Andréan Maduro version has a white band with Prohibition in burgundy lettering. And that's what I will enjoy today. Comes in only one size, a Toro, six and a half inches in length, 52 ring gauge. Colonel Ange, you told me when you got the Officers Club selection delivered to your house, you went through all three of these cigars very rapidly.
2: Very quickly, General. Uh, Again, two two of my favorite wrappers, absolutely. The uh, Connecticut Broadleaf and, of course, the uh, San Andreas Maduro. Uh, the, what the Terrence did with that uh, wrapper is terrific and uh, this, this cigar from Rocky Patel is absolutely off the charts. Rocky should be inspired every, every day
0: Well, I think we'd prefer to have him inspired just by making great cigars, not by the enemies of pleasure and the taxocrats at the FDA and in Washington, but two great blends which blend did you prefer? Which one were you partial to?
2: You know, in general, I tell you, it's a toss-up. I like them both. I have to say I'm starting to get a little bit... I always was the uh, Connecticut Broadleaf, but uh, lately, ever since uh, we've met and, and uh, got to taste the cigars from the Torrents, the uh, one from San Andreas is just amazing. Well, That's a that's a wrapper from Mexico, folks. That's absolutely a terrific wrapper.
0: And that's the cigar I'll enjoy, the Rocky Patel Prohibition San André and Maduro, and I'll talk about Mexican wrapper in just a few minutes because there were some misconceptions. And another cigar that Rocky Patel came out with at the Cigar Retailers Convention last July was the Rocky Patel Decade Cameroon and the Rocky Patel Super Lajero. The Decade Cameroon is an absolute gem of a cigar. So is this prohibition. Suggested retail, 8 bucks. Cigar
1: altering and highly sharpened
0: leaf-exposing device. I will use a very elegant cigar scissors tonight to... Expose the filler leaves from the head of the cigar. I haven't used this cigar scissors in a while. It's just such an elegant way to cut the cigar. That's what I will use today.
1: Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus.
0: Well, from the Cigar Dave signature, or for the Cigar Dave RD Laboratories, I've got my Cigar Dave signature. This is uh, what we're calling the Pratt & Whitney. And the reason is because it reminds me of a Pratt & Whitney jet engine. The p and from our laboratories. Only one big flame, but, man, you can adjust this flame. And, again, the RD Lab guys, they always come out with, with litation devices for me to experiment with. Whether we'll ever release them, I have no idea, but this is a fabulous-looking lighter. Huge tank because I said when I travel, I need a lot of butane, so they have come up with this uh, Cigar Day. We're calling it the signature PW for Pratt & Whitney. C- cigar
1: C- C- pre lightation oh. checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one.
0: Perfect cut using my cigar scissors. I want to taper it just a little bit more. That's the great thing with the cigar scissors. You can really alter the amount of the filler leaves very precisely. Now you can do it with a double-edged stainless steel guillotine, but I find with the scissors you just get that additional element. It's just such an elegant way to cut the end of your cigar. I will now toast the foot of this Rocky Patel prohibition, San Andreas Maduro, and as I was saying, there was a misconception for many years that Mexican cigar tobaccos were harsh, were strong, were bitter, not the case in any way, shape, or form, and for many years, manufacturers didn't want to admit that they were using a wrapper or cigar tobaccos from Mexico, and starting really a number of years ago, people were not afraid, I think that started with Altadas, and now all these manufacturers are proudly saying that they use a San Andreas Maron or Maduro wrapper or a San Andreas Corojo or criollo wrapper. And this cigar uses the San Andreas Maron. I will puff and rotate. Great draw. Mm. Now you know I was thinking not only could I call this the PW, but I could call it the RR for Rolls-Royce. One of their big ultra-high-bypass turbofan engines. Actually, the RB211, ultra-high-bypass turbofan used on the L-1011, should be the inspiration for this lightation device because that was the first big engine uh, made by Rolls-Royce. Nice big power plant. And now they use the Rolls-Royce Trents on the... Triple 7's fantastic engines and the inspiration for my lightation device. So my Rocky Patel Prohibition is now done, and now I'm going to need a little bit of some sort of libationary liquid, some libation beverage to accompany my prohibition, and I have just the thing. Scotch,
1: bourbon, and beer commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers.
0: Well, since this is the Prohibition cigar. And it comes in Prohibition style jars. I wanted to do something that had a Prohibition theme to it. So I have selected from the Tuttletown Distillery, just north of Albany in the crumbling empire state of New York, some Hudson, New York corn whiskey. Now, corn whiskey or moonshine is what the bootleggers made back in Prohibitionary times. They didn't have time for the for the corn whiskey to mature and ferment in barrels like whiskey is or bourbon. So they, for they, as soon as they were done distilling it, they put it right into a bottle. And this Hudson uh, New York corn whiskey uses a Prohibition-style bottle. It is just fantastic looking, and I will enjoy this. And you really can tell, just when I open it up, I can tell the corn. You can smell that sweetness. So I'm going to put a little into my snifter here, and I will say cheers to all of you i will take a sip of this corn whiskey hmm. ah whoa you know i can just see the dukes of hazard this would be something coming out of the dukes at his hazard with boss hog making his uh, moonshine but this new york corn whiskey is a true american spirit It is made in small batches with 100% New York corn. They had no sugar. It is an unaged sipping whiskey. It is, uh, even though it's unaged, it is still uh, nice and soft on the palate. You can definitely smell the aroma of sweet corn. And there's some other nicknames for corn whiskey. You can call it Moonshine, White Dog, White Lightning. There are a number of, of, uh, uh, of moonshine spirits that are out there. One is called Death's Door, which... Definitely, when you taste it, you'll know why they call it that. But this is a very pleasant uh, New York corn whiskey, moonshine, white lightning, whatever the case may be. Colonel Ange, this is not what I would normally pair up with my Prohibition, but I wanted to stay with the Prohibition theme. And this Hudson corn whiskey is exceptional, very smooth, considering it is unaged.
2: I've never heard of that, General. This is the first time, and I'm a resident of the great uh, crumbling state. And uh, you have to tell me what's it like.
0: It is a little bit of sweetness on the uh, palate. Now, take another sip here. Hmm. It is essentially bourbon without the the aging and without the the notes that you get that nice uh, that those spicy notes. But it is it is very smooth for a. For a moonshine or a white dog or a white lightning, this is very, very smooth. It's not for everyone. It's if you want to try something a little bit on the unique side. But it's pretty good. It's actually pretty good. And that is what's going to accompany my Prohibition cigar today. Now, Colonel Ange, what spirit do you have today in the pooch pit?
2: Uh, General, an old favorite. I have the uh, Woodford Reserve Double Oak.
0: Can you really go wrong with any Woodford Reserve? I don't think so.
2: You can't. You can't. And I love the double oak. I mean, that's just such a different flavor profile. It's it's smooth. It's, It's got a little sweetness. It's just terrific.
0: Well, as we, we learned at the Alpha Pleasure Fest at the Hard Rock Casino back in uh, late November, when we had the Woodford Reserve brand ambassador on the show, that they use a higher percentage of rye content in their bourbon, which gives it more of a spiciness, more of a spicy uh, kick, if you will, on the palate. And rye is the most expensive of all the grains. So they do not cut any corners. And that double-oaked, when you take their, their mash bill and then they double-oak it, they put it in two different types of, uh, of barrels, you really get that nice, rich spiciness that, uh, that, that is very apparent from the very first sip. Very, very nice. Not for everybody, but if you want something that's going to be a little bit of sharpness on the palate with a little bit of body... The Woodford Reserve Double Oak—you certainly cannot go wrong. It's a delightful spirit, and uh, I'll tell you what—I think that's one of my favorites. I love Gentleman Jack, made by Jack Daniel's, extremely smooth. Another great Brown Foreman uh, libation. So you can't go wrong with any of those. Now, Colonel Ange, when we come back, I will—we've got the Super Bowl. Is hard to believe we're talking about Super Bowl is going to be the beginning of February, and on the Saturday. Uh, January 31st edition of the Cigar Dave Show. It is our annual Super Snacks or Super Bowl. And this year we have a special inspiration for one of the delicacies that you will be preparing. So when we come back, Colonel Ange, we are going to discuss that. Also, I will tell you about one of the delicacies that will be sold tomorrow in Green Bay at the Piekers game as they battle the Cowboys a huge delicacy, and there is no bratwurst involved, but it is massive in terms of size and massive in terms of calories, and it is something that not only should they be proud of in Wisconsin – but across the country. So we will talk about that. Much to get to today on The Cigar Dave Show, lieutenants, as we continue front and center.
1: Check out the all-new CigarDave.com. Get info on the cigars and libations the general enjoys during the show. Get recipes from the pooch pit and drink cocktails, too. You can listen to the show on our 24-7 stream or download the latest podcast to listen to anytime. Get it all at CigarDave.com.
2: I've traveled around the world, played poker with sharks, and chased the thrill of first love. But no experience
3: matches the new 1875 Romeo y Julieta, crafted in Honduras with specially aged vintage tobaccos, rich, bold, spicy, notes of hickory and dark chocolate, available exclusively to local tobacconist. 1875 Romeo y Julieta, the next chapter in your favorite love story. Surgeon General warning, tobacco smoke increases the risk of lung cancer and heart disease even in non-smokers.
1: Defending your rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of pleasure. It's the
6: General Cigar Dave. Listen up, all you cigar lieutenants. We've got your next set of marching orders. While it seems like everyone is busy trying to wussify America, there are still some who value the premium cigar good life. Head over to CigarMaestro.com where you can learn directly from some of the most knowledgeable cigar experts in the world. The Grupo de los Maestros, the makers of great brands including Monte Cristo, Romeo E. Julieta, H. Upman, and many others. When you understand the hard work and skill that goes into crafting every hand-rolled cigar. You'll appreciate every new smoke even more. Finish the training, and then pass the test to earn a true symbol of alpha male cigar knowledge, the Certificado de los Maestros. You already love premium cigars, but now you can take that appreciation to the next level. Visit CigarMaestro.com today. CigarMaestro.com is an exclusive premium cigar educational website for adults age 21 and up. Surgeon General Warning. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes.
1: Pleasure, command and control it's the
0: general cigar Dave well thoroughly enjoying my prohibition San Andre and Maduro I love this song let's let's hear a little bit this is very Brazilian I like this
3: mm.
0: propping my feet up here on my
3: comfy leather Ottoman
0: here at command Center Alpha Humidor 1a take a sip of my Hudson New York corn whiskey white lightning mm. Ah, very nice. Colonel Ange rejoins us from the Winter Pooch Pit in the Western New York Theater of Operations. Colonel Ange, I understand we are joined now via satellite from the colonel in charge of the European Theater of Operations, where they've had a very busy week. Mick the Brit, front and center, joins us.
7: General, hello there.
0: Greetings, Mick. Uh, Your neighbors to the east had a very uh, difficult week. I I have to tell you that uh, certainly every American stands with them today, as I'm sure every Brit. Uh, And the fact of the matter is, these uh, terrorists, these uh, radical Islamic extremists, which is exactly what I'm going to call them, now it's coming out that uh, two of them were on the or are on the U.S. no fly list. So The Americans knew about them. One of them trained in, uh, I believe, with al-Qaeda in Syria. A lot of things coming out, and I'm sure that this has shaken not only France, but the entire European theater of operations, Mick.
7: Oh, indeed. In fact, we're on Amber Alert uh, all our, you know, especially being in the capital city where I am at the moment in London, um, a lot of our... Uh, monuments and places of a uh, of, of congregation, you know, bus bus stations, uh, terminus places, where there's a lot of people that could be around. Um, you know, that we're on amber alert for, for something quite significant. In fact, there was a meeting earlier uh, with uh, the head of MI5, which looks after the home uh, home base here, um, explaining that yeah, be very careful.
0: Well, I think. It's a lesson that when you allow unabated immigration from certain groups that tend to radicalize, you are going to have a problem when they don't want to become part of French culture. They don't want to become part of British culture. They don't want to become part of American culture. And that is not singling out, I think, the overwhelming majority of, uh, of Muslims, I think... Uh, You know, without any question, I think probably don't condone this violence, but there is a large percentage. And if you have, what is there, 2 billion Muslims across the uh, world, and if even, you know, uh, 10% of them, 10% of them believe in this nonsense, well, that's 200 million of them, and that's a lot of extremists. And whatever the number is, I think we have to be very careful. And uh, I know that on Fox News there are a number of uh, of people that were of Muslim uh, heritage and uh, the religions coming out saying this is nonsense. So this is this is a radical form. We do not agree with this. There was a woman today, uh, or two days ago, I saw on Fox in the middle of the day with uh, Margaret Carlson. Uh, was that her name, Margaret Carlson, Jane Carlson, Gretchen Carlson? Thank you, Gretchen Carlson. Thank you very much, uh, Private Eric. Gretchen Carlson, and she said this is nonsense. This is a a totally warped sense. And they had this. There's a a, a a imam, a Muslim imam that lives in London, who is an absolute nutcase that uh, Sean Hannity had on Fox News a couple of nights ago. And uh, this guy is abs- – I mean, he, he believes in Sharia law. He came out with a statement saying that when you you uh, uh, make fun of the prophet, you get what you deserve. This is nonsense. I'm sorry. He hides in, in, well, in London in Europe under the cloak of freedom of speech and freedom of expression, yet when somebody wants to exercise that, he has a problem with it.
7: Yes, indeed. And, and both our cultures, both American and British, we, we satirize things. You have Saturday Night Live. We have uh, publications and and also uh, TV comedy programs. There's no such thing. And you've said this before, General. There is no such thing as anybody having the right not to be offended.
0: That's right. Now, That's exactly that, right. Yeah, That's exactly right. And uh, look, there have been there have been here in in, I think in one of the New York museums there was a uh, uh, an artist that did something which portrayed Jesus in a negative light. It was rather defamatory. Yet you didn't see Catholics uh or or Presbyterians or Methodists going in and blowing things up. They disagreed with it. They were very perturbed about it, and, and they had the right to express that. And I thought it was actually in very poor taste what the artist did. But under the guise of art artistic expression he did that. And the name of the uh the imam is Anjem Chowdery. I think it's Cowdery or yeah, Chowdery, right. And in the USA today. Uh, uh, Two days ago, there was an op-ed and it said, people know the consequences. Why did France allow the tabloid to provoke Muslims? Well, I'm sorry. If you don't like what someone says, get up and disagree with it, protest, protest. Yell, do whatever you want, but I'm sorry, whacking someone or murdering someone is unacceptable. And I wonder if people disagree with this gentleman, if he was whacked, what people would say, what, what his, uh, uh, his his uh, uh, fellow Muslims would say, they would say, that's wrong. That is absolutely wrong. So when I see this clown, and believe me, I would love to take this guy and shoot him to a one-way trip to Mars, but it is just, uh, to me, I know I'm getting off the, uh, the, the topic, both, but it's just unacceptable. Unacceptable, and 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 we've got to call it what it is. And again, the overwhelming majority of Muslims, uh, without any question, do not want this radical form of uh, Islam. They practice their religion peacefully, no problem. But the segment that does must be called out, they must be held accountable, and they must be exposed for what they are. And we have to take drastic measures. And, you know, when I see the Council of American Islamic Relations care that comes out, uh, and 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 they're another front group for uh, uh, for some of these other terrorist organizations. And if they want to come on this show, you're more than welcome. And one of the uh, tactics they use, they sue people here in the United States and in Canada that have dis- uh, differing viewpoints, which is absurd. They they're allowed to spew their nonsense under the guise of freedom of speech, but all of a sudden when somebody attacks them under freedom of speech, they've got a big issue with it. So. Colonel Ange and Mick the Britt, I know I I got off the topic a little bit, but that's what happens. You give someone a cigar and give someone a libation. You have educated people having a conversation, and this is what happens. So that that is it. So stand by, Mick. Stand by, uh, Colonel Ange. We have much more to get to. When we come back in the next hour, Colonel Ange is working on a not so top secret delicacy for super snacks for Super Bowl. This is a huge experiment, and I am part of the reason that he is experimenting. We will see. We will continue. Hour number two of The Cigar Dave Show continues. Keep your cigar nice and warm. Grab yourself a libation as we enjoy the alpha male good life.
1: Testing from Humidor 1A in the Cigar City of Tampa, Florida, U-S-A. Welcome to The Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the
0: General Cigar Cigar Dave. Dave. As America's alpha male in chief, it is incumbent upon me to spread the good life gospel as it pertains to everything associated with the alpha male lifestyle. We are unapologetic. I am unapologetic about enjoying life's great pleasures, including cigars, including the nectar of the gods, wine, bourbon, Scotch whiskey, champagne, cognac, sparkling wines. I'm unabashed about enjoying my harem, loving hot dames, of uh, going to the casino, and of course, fantastic delicacies. It is all part of enjoying life's great pleasures. We're not apologetic in any way, shape, or form. It seems today, lieutenants, that if you like something, you say something that offends someone, you better go and apologize. I can guarantee you that will never happen as long as I am front and center here at Command Center Alpha. Welcome back. Hour number two of the Cigar Dave Show. We invite you to uh, join us on the conversation. Follow us electronically. You can email me, CigarDave, at CigarDave.com. You can follow us at our website, CigarDave.com, as well as following us at Twitter, at Cigar Show. Facebook, our screen name or handle is Cigar Dave, One word. And we welcome you back, hour number two. Joining us today, front and center from the European Theater of Operations, we have Colonel Mick the Brit. Mick, welcome back.
7: Greetings, General, and greetings, Lieutenants. Yes, hoping I'm sounding loud and clear.
0: Yes, if you could speak up a little bit more, Mick, use the uh, best Cigar Dave loud voice that you can possibly attain.
7: Ah, like we do on an outside broadcast.
0: Now that sounds much better. And joining us from the very frigid... Arctic Great White North from the Western New York Theater of Operations, the Pooch Pit, Colonel Ange. Colonel?
2: General, I'm here. Long ashes. And did Mick just say
0: broadcast? Broadcast, yes. Uh, broadcast. Yes, believe yeah, me, there's somebody that's going to say, wait a minute, you can't call it a broadcast. You'll have to call it a cast. But we call it a just broadcast. It- yes, indeed. All right, um, Colonel Ange, we are like, what, three weeks away from... <clears throat> the national holiday called Super Bowl Sunday. And on Super Bowl Sunday, it is a time when every American can engorge in great delicacies, snacks, junk food, libations. And really, the Monday after should be declared a national holiday so we can all sleep in, get a little exercise to work off everything we enjoyed on Super Bowl Sunday. Now, this year, we are going to be doing our Super Snacks for Super Bowl special show On Saturday, January 31st, which is the day before the Super Bowl, because the Super Bowl this year is Sunday, February 1st. Colonel Ange, in the past we've done chicken wings, we've done Salins, we've done Big Ange burgers, we've done numerous delicacies. But this year we're going to an old family favorite, not a Puccio family favorite, a Cigar Day family favorite. And Colonel Ange, I would let you. Do, I will let you do the honors, talking about what you have in the works for Super Snacks for Super Bowl.
2: General, thank you very much. And yes, indeed, we are going to do something I'm calling the Pooch Pit Pastrami Protocol. What we've done is resurrect Grandma Ida's pastrami recipe that I understand has been kept in a number two mayonnaise jar on Funkin' Wagnall's back porch <laughs> since 1971.
0: You are correct, sir.
2: <laughs> <And we're>, <laughs> correct, <laughs> sir. And we're going to bring back Grandma Ida's uh, pastrami recipe and serve that as our main event for Super Snacks for Super Bowl.
0: That, of course, is my uh, grandmother, uh, uh Grandma Ida, and she used to make it for Cigar Grandma. Abe because Cigar Abe, my grandfather loved his Gold Label cigars. He loved his Crown Royale Canadian whiskey, and, of course, he liked some great old-time Jewish delicacies. And one of the delicacies that he absolutely loved was my my grandmother's pastrami that she would season and make and freshly slice didn't use an electric slicer. The old-fashioned, uh, uh, nice sharp knife, and it would. I remember the smell as a kid, and my grandfather would, of course, love it on um, Al Cohen's rye bread, a Western New York specialty. Did they still make Al Cohen's rye bread in Buffalo? General, it's the
2: house rye bread of the of Casa Pooch. Of course, that's here every day. I can, I can tweet you a picture any minute. We always have it in the house, and that's what we ser- we're going to serve this on on Super Bowl Sunday. It'll be Al Cohen's.
0: Beautiful. Now, the inspiration for this, I should mention, is that uh, I sent you a holiday gift. And I would have sent this to Mick if Katz's Deli in New York would ship across the pond. But unfortunately, they don't ship across the pond. So, Mick, when we see you next time here in the American Theater of Operations, I'm going to order... Some Katz's corned beef and pastrami shipped down to wherever we are to really enjoy a taste of that Jewish delicatessen from the Lower East Side of New York. There is nothing like it. Although I'm sure you've got some pretty good delis in uh, in London, correct? Correct, General. One of my
7: most favorite bagels is a salt beef bagel, or a salmon bagel with a
0: schmear, a
5: of little schmear <laughs> Well,
0: we like a lot of schmear yes. pastrami on our on our pastrami sandwiches now. Colonel Ange, I think you were a little surprised when you got the uh, box via FedEx uh, a couple of weeks ago.
2: Yeah, very surprised, General. What a container full of cornucopia of delicious deli foods. And, Mick, i if we did ship it that we're in the, to uh, uh, England, I don't think the Knish's would make it. The canishas <laughs> were great. Well, <laughs> the he, would probably break down.
0: They probably would. Uh, well, here's what, what, yeah. what, what I said. Two pounds – of freshly sliced Katz's pastrami, a pound of Katz's corned beef, a loaf of Katz's rye bread. They, I believe they put in their deli mustard because I love Weber's mustard, but not on a pastrami sandwich. You have to have that, that no. deli yellow mustard. There were pickles. There was four potato knishes, I believe, and some rugula as a little sweetener for the dessert.
2: All of that, General. All of it. it was absolutely phenomenal. What a feast! In fact, it was a feast for probably it was two nights and four families all pork partake in that feast. It was delicious. Well, and it was and my... we're going to give it a shot.
0: Okay, so I, you know we talked about it, and you and I started saying how I remembered my my grandmother, Grandma Ida, used to make that pastrami for my grandfather's cigar, Abe, and she used to slice it. And I remember as a kid on Saturdays when my father would drop me off. At, uh, at their house, uh, I would immediately see a plate, right, fresh pastrami and some corned beef. And she said, Diri, you'll take a plate. Well, I would always take more than a plate because it was so good. And then she'd say, what do you want for lunch? And I said, potato pancakes. And she would make those potato pancakes fresh. The smell, my father would walk in. He goes, oh, I know what Dave had for lunch, the potato pancakes pancakes, the potato latkes that she would make. So I was able to find I don't know how we found it. Cigar Sister was looking through some things and found Grandma Ida's pastrami recipe. And so we gave it to you, Colonel Ange. It is a secret recipe that has been handed down from generations, going back to the old uh, days in the uh, Russian or Polish uh, villages, depending on where the border was at the time. Now, Colonel Ange, if you would give us an idea of how pastrami is made without revealing too much of Grandma Ida's special secret recipe.
2: We're going to leave all of Grandma Ida's secrets out of the Dave. We're going to just bring it right down to what it's done. This is truly... A labor of love you have to take a brisket and the brisket is first first we take a brisket we turn it into corned beef because pastrami is made from corned beef so we're gonna start like grandma Ida did with a brisket we're gonna take the brisket we're gonna brine it with a secret recipe of herbs and spices that's gonna sit in the brine for a number of days for probably a couple of weeks after it comes out of the brine we are going to Rinse the salt from it. We're going to dry it out. Then we're going to season it again with various herbs and spices. Again, secret Grandma Ida's recipe But I'll spices. give you
0: some hints. I'm then not going to give the exact uh, doses of things, but there's some onion. There's certainly garlic. you got some pepper. There's a little coriander, and there's a special secret ingredient that I will not reveal that, uh, again, Grandma Ida used to use. So after it comes out of the uh, the brine, then you'd use a rub on it.
2: Right, then we put the rub, which is also a a secret recipe of rub, rub, but it does include some more coriander and some black pepper. That's as far as we'll go with that. But after you rub it, it has to sit again. You put it in the refrigerator and it needs to rest again for at least a week. You need that rub to get right into the meat. After that comes out, then it's out to the pooch pit and into the smoker. It's got to smoke depending on the size. And the one that we've got, General, right now is about a 14-pound brisket. It's it's a bear. It's going to take some time, probably about, I don't know, 15 hours comes out. It needs to rest again. And before we try and serve it and cut it, we're going to have to steam it. So it'll be steamed on top of that. So probably all labor involved, hands-on labor, probably about 15, 20 hours, and then at least three weeks through this whole process, general, minimum of three weeks.
0: That is absolutely uh, – inc- that is a long process. Three weeks now. You are going to make more than one, one uh, uh, pastrami, uh, a cut of pastrami. You're going to make a couple of – take a couple of corned beef. Now, a couple of items. First of all, the reason going way back when you look uh, at, at corned beef and pastrami, why they used a, a brisket is because at the time going way back, brisket was really a very inexpensive, cheap cut of meat. Uh, and it's yeah, a absolutely. tough cut of meat. But, of course, many of my forefathers found the right way to tame that brisket. And one of the things is that they recommend, I know my grandmother used to always make sure she got the a special cut. She actually got the navel, the navel end, because it's a little bit fatty and stands up to the long process of uh, of cooking. You know, between the boil, between the rub, between the smoking, between the steaming. And so she would always like that uh, that navel end, that navel cut. And that's the first thing. And the other thing is you got to salt the meat. Now, do you use kosher salt, Colonel Ange?
2: Oh, general, absolutely. You have to use kosher salt. In fact, you have to weigh it. You can't, you can't measure it. This is something that's weighed. You have to take the weight of the meat, and then you get the corresponding amount of salt. You actually put it on a scale because uh, the, the grains of salt, which is actually, General, where the term corn beef came from, There's nothing to do with corn. That's what a kernel of salt was called then. It was called a corn of salt. You have to weigh the salt, and it's kosher salt. And it has to be the right amount. You can't fool with this. This isn't like brining a turkey. It's a whole different process. You're literally curing the meat in this brine. It has to be done right. It has to to take time.
0: Now, corned beef, which does not get smoked, usually is cured for about four weeks. But pastrami... uh usually cures for about two to four weeks a little bit less time uh and then the smoking is the key now how long do you smoke that you said 14 hours about what temperature
2: uh you know you want to make this almost a cold smoke it, ha- it the best is about 110 degrees general and that's really a cold smoke that's about as low as you can get in a smoker and still keep it going
0: and sometimes i should add you because i remember Uh, Grandma Ida would sometimes, when she would smoke it, and she didn't have the fancy pooch pit smokers, I will tell you that. Uh, But she would sometimes, I remember, smoke that thing for a couple of days.
2: And you can. You can. It depends about the biggest thing is how big the piece of meat is. That's always the the number one uh, consideration. And then the the amount of time that you have. And the more time that you put into this, the. more tender it's going to be. You need a nice fatty piece of meat and you need a lot of time. We're going to move it up a little bit because we started the process just today. It's going to give us about three and a half, four weeks, but general, I think uh, given what uh, some of the tricks of the trade that I've learned over the years, I think I can get pretty close to grandma Ida's in, in a shorter amount of time.
0: Beautiful. Now also the key is the wood chips. We're going to use a proprietary blend of wood chips that we're not going to reveal But uh, that also gives it a lot of flavor. Now, at the end, the other thing is you can either you can uh, steam it or you can boil it. You can do a relatively quick boil into a vat of boiling water. What is the difference,
2: General? I prefer the steam. Uh, The 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 trouble you have with the boiling water is losing that beautiful rub. You can actually break that down if it's in a uh, boiling uh, water. So if you use the steam, you get it above the water. It's not submerged. You're not going to crack that beautiful uh, rub because you know that that's just part of the corned beef, that beautiful black uh, pepper that's uh, seared into the meat that from all those hours of smoking, you don't want to lose it.
0: And I, when it can I can be done, and I remember but it's tricky. You know, my grandmother never used a thermometer. She, I don't know how she knew it, but she just knew it. And she used to say to me, I said, How do you know it's done? She said, dearie, I know it's done, it's cooked but still soft and jiggly in her in her accent she would always <laughs> tell me that she goes it has to be soft and jiggly never use the thermometer and then the key is also is that the way she used to slice it is after the steaming it added a little bit of tenderness it loosens up the meat a little bit and she would wait about 15 minutes a half an hour or so and then she would just slice it you know using a real big deli knife and again, it was not ultra thin, but not super thick like you see a lot of places that have like Texas brisket. But it was just beautiful, melt in your mouth. She put it on that on that uh, uh, Al Cohen's rye bread, nice and thick. Never weighed it. Just used to visualize it, and there is nothing like it. And we are going to enjoy that for super snacks for Super Bowl. So, lieutenants, we'll have pictures. I'm not sure we're going to give the recipe. We got to be a little bit careful about that, but. uh... If it is good, we I think we may have to commercially sell that, Colonel Ange. General, let's go. We're ready. All right, it's sounds a, good. A, it, it, take a little bit of work. We'll do it. All right. Colonel Ange from the pooch pit. Mick the Brit from the European Theater of Operations. We will continue. When we come back, we will tell you about one of the delicacies being sold tomorrow at Lambeau Field, the home of the Packers.
1: The General is always on Twitter. Delivering breaking news. Giving you the latest intel on cigars. And battling the enemies of pleasure. Chat with the General now at Cigar Dave Show.
3: The sword, a symbol of strength, honor, and prestige. The sword, the symbol of Monte Cristo. Introducing the new Espada by Monte Cristo, inspired by the superior craftsmanship of legendary sword makers, celebrating a unique collaboration between premium cigar authorities blended by the Monte Cristo's talented Grupo de Maestros, crafted by the renowned Placencia family with vintage aged tobaccos. The first Monte Cristo made with 100% Nicaraguan tobacco. Rich, majestic, complex. The Espada by Monte Cristo, a cigar of pure taste and true elegance. Try an Espada by Monte Cristo at your local tobacconist today and visit us on Facebook and Twitter at The Cigar Life. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes.
0: As a cigar connoisseur, one of the pleasures that we derive is walking into our retailer's humidor and seeing the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. Nine years ago, I had the idea that I wanted to share great cigars with the cigar lieutenants. So, the Officers Club was born. You can cancel whenever you want. You enjoy great cigars right to your door. Names like Perdomo, Diamond Crown, Brick House, San Latino, Rocky Patel, Torano, CAO, Avo, Camacho, Greycliff, and many more. Join the Officers Club today. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and for twenty you'll get the latest and greatest in the world of cigars.
8: You walk into a cigar shop, stare at hundreds of choices, and wonder as you take in the aroma. Go with an old standard or try something new. Lead or follow? That's the real question here, isn't it? Next time, choose to lead with a premium cigar from Royal Gold Cigars. Royal Gold Cigars introduces two exciting new premium cigar lines, Casino Gold HRS High Roller Selection and Kismet. Hand-rolled in Honduras with a blend of four distinct quality fillers wrapped in a rich Habano rosado wrapper, the Casino Gold HRS is a medium-bodied cigar For high rollers who never gamble on flavor. For a robust option, try our bold Dominican Puro. Kismet, meaning destiny. A blend of six Dominican tobaccos. It's bold, smooth, burns evenly, and leaves a clean white ash. There, we narrowed the options. Lead or follow. Visit royalgoldcigars.com.
1: Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco smoke increases the risk of lung cancer and heart disease, even in non-smokers. Cigar Dave Show. Your passport to unabashed pleasure.
0: Colonel Ange, you got my mouth watering that during the short break, I went on to Katz'sDelicatessen.com and I just ordered a whole bunch of pastrami and (laughs) corned beef that will be delivered on Tuesday to the Cigar City at Command Center Alpha. Now, tomorrow... Big game between the Packers at Lambeau Field and the Cowboys. And by the way, I was rooting for the Lions. Boy, did the Lions get screwed last week without any question. They should have won that game. But aside from that, tomorrow at Lambeau Field, the Green Bay Packers will be selling a new special burger for the occasion. It is called the Big Game Burger. Three and a half pounds of Delicacy Delight. It will be a gastronomic feast. Here's what are the, the ingredients are. It's got a big mother pretzel bun, huge pretzel bun, a half pound of ground venison, a half pound of ground bacon, a half pound of certi- certified Angus beef, jalapeno smoked bacon, crispy fried onions, pickles, secret sauce, homemade jalapeno jalapeno cheese, and for those that want a little bit of health, for good measure, there's some lettuce and six slices of tomato. All for the affordable steal of 20 bucks. Colonel Ange, I think we need to add this to the Super Snacks for Super Bowl menu. What do you think?
2: General, it's done. They will be served. And we're Let's gonna... hope the Packers get there.
0: Oh, no, the Packers, no matter what, even if not, we're doing it anyway. I mean, three and a half pounds of quality meat and venison and bacon we are absolutely doing it. I don't even want to know what the calorie count is, but I'm looking at a picture of the burger, the big game burger next to an NFL football. I'm not kidding you. It's about 60% of the size of an NFL football. That's how big this thing is. And uh, I'll tell you what, I think a little accompaniment of, of some super crispy French fries from Ted's would go very nicely with that. So the big game burger tomorrow at Lambeau Field.
1: The January selection for the Cigar Dave Officers Club is Kentucky Fire Cured from Drew Estate. KFC is an extension of the Muat brand, which is a collaboration with Hoya de Nicaragua. Kentucky Fire Cured utilizes tobacco that is stock cut, then fired at a low heat until the ideal brown color is achieved. It's easy to join the Officers Club. Get all the details at CigarDave.com.
4: In this difficult and challenging time, when the government is trying to outlaw premium cigars and take away the art form of enjoying a beautiful cigar, we decided to introduce our brand called Prohibition. This cigar is going to be the bootleggers dream, a gorgeous cigar made in Esteli Nicaragua triple capped using a broadleaf wrapper and a Mexican wrapper from the San Valley. It's got Nicaraguan tobaccos from the Nicaraguan valleys of Esteli and Jalapa. It's rich. It's complex. It's got some spice, some white pepper, and a ton of sweetness. Full of flavor, this cigar is one that you're going to want to enjoy, and you're going to bootleg, and that's why it's called Prohibition. Enjoy it. I promise you're going to love it.
1: Rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of pleasure. Mm. It's the General Cigar Dave.
3: Mm.
0: Thoroughly enjoying my Rocky Patel prohibition with the San Andrean Maduro wrapper. And by the way, if you are a member of our Officers Club for January, you're going to be getting the KFCC, the Kentucky Fire Cured Cigar from Drew Estates, a beautiful, very unique cigar. And we've got some great selections for 2015. If you are not a member of the Officers Club, do not delay. 22.95 gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars in a special customized Cigar Dave Ziploc pouch that you can reuse. And the selections we had for 2014 were magnificent, but I will guarantee that we will have, if not as good better because every year the selections seem to get better and better from all of our great manufacturers and this rocky patel prohibition certainly in that category of a delightful cigar now we're talking about the three and a half pound big game burger we're rejoined by uh, colonel angelo puccio the pooch pit in the western new york theater of operations and we've got uh colonel mick the brit from the European Theater of Operations, and we're talking about the three-and-a-half-pound big-game burger that's going to be sold tomorrow at Lambeau Field. Now, I want you to contrast that with what students in schools, public schools in the United States are now being forced to uh, endure, all due to Michelle Obama's lunch program, the Healthy Hunger-Free Kids Act, which was passed in 2010 and championed by Michelle Obama as part of an effort to combat childhood obesity. And I've always said, if you want to combat childhood obesity, it's very simple. Mandate either one hour of phys ed every day, or students have to take a sport. When I went to school, it was simple. You either took, you had to take at least one sport. We were on a trimester system. So there was fall, there was winter, and there was spring. You either had to take at least a sport. You had to take one sport no matter what, and then if you want, you could take three sports total. You could do one sport, and then you could do two trimesters of phys ed. Normally I did uh, three sports, except one time I had a little injury, so I had to do phys ed for a trimester. That's how you eliminate childhood obesity. If kids are exercising and on the playground, running around like kids do for an hour every day, there would be no obesity problem. But as part of Michelle Obama's Healthy Hunger-Free Kids Act there is a re- revolution going on because kids are simply not eating the food and i will t- we will tweet out pictures of some of these lunch uh, items here that are absolutely disgusting i mean a pizza slice that is so small it almost looks like a little Ritz cracker and then of course they have their no fat milk a couple of little vegetables here it is Just looking at this, they wouldn't feed this to prisoners at a maximum correctional facility in this country, but students have to endure that. And students are not eating it. School districts are losing millions of dollars because kids are just not buying the meals that are being sold. So consequently, school districts now are looking for ways to entice kids. Well, you don't need to entice them. If you made good food and served good food, food that kids want, there wouldn't be an issue. Well, Jefferson County School District in Colorado has introduced a Hungry to Win raffle, offering students a chance to win a prize if they buy the healthier lunches. Knowing uh, students, whether they're in grade school, middle school, or high school, if food is good, kids are hungry. They do not need an incentive to buy lunch. Kids are going to want to buy lunch because, one, they're hungry, and, number two, because it's tasty. Just like if a restaurant said, we're going to offer a chance to win an iPod or a chance to win $500 if you come to eat our our food at our restaurant and the restaurant's food is horrible. People wouldn't go. They wouldn't care what you're giving away. So instead of these school districts dealing with contests and raffles and all sorts of incentives, how about they just dump the the get-out-of-the-federal program and serve good food? And what high school students and students across the country—they have resorted to Twitter now, uh, using a hashtag called "Thanks Michelle Obama." And if you go to Twitter and you go to a search and you put in hashtag "Thanks Michelle Obama," you will see all these kids tweeting pictures of the horrible food that they are—they are now being forced to uh, to endure. But many kids are bringing their own lunches, where they can bring pizza, they can bring the sandwiches they want, subs, they can bring. St- potato chips, whatever, which stuff is not being served now at schools due to this federal mandated lunch program. Now, in this school district in Colorado, in Jefferson County, lunch sales were down 6% in the fall of 2013, and they're trying to entice kids to buy the the food that they just don't want to eat. Amongst the prizes that kids can win are jump ropes, kites, movie tickets, iTunes gift cards, with grand prizes of bikes and iPods. The fact of the matter is, when these school districts have to resort to that, there is a huge issue. And as part of the new $1.1 trillion spending bill, which was passed by the Senate last month, there was a provision which would allow schools initially proposed to opt out. That was taken out of the bill, which Republicans had sought. And it would ease, but it, it will ease standards that require more whole grains and lunches and delay new rules on, on sodium, which are set to take effect in 2017. But kids are not eating it. In Chicago, they're losing millions of dollars. Food is ending up in trash cans. When kids do not want to eat the food, when it's not appetizing, you got a problem. And instead of Michelle Obama saying, well, maybe we should look at it, no, she is standing firm. Meanwhile, her daughters at the private school they attend are getting gourmet meals. And I've talked about this in the past. They have a chef that prepares all sorts of meals, that prepares special pizzas and pastas and, and special types of fish and chicken dishes, food that kids desire to eat. But it's okay. It's not okay for her kids to have to eat this, but it's okay for everyone else. And that is an absolutely huge problem. So, if you go and do a search on Twitter, and we'll start putting up some pictures of what kids are tweeting out, do a search for hashtag ThanksMichelleObama, and you will find all of these disgusting pictures. And I'm looking at some of these pictures, and one of them here is absolutely, it looks as though there's like four little black beans, some chopped onions, and I don't know what the other vegetable is. There's a couple of kiwi slices and orange slices, a can of, or a, a carton of fat free milk. And a pizza slice that looks like it's cardboard. That is not what kids want to eat. But again, here we have the federal government and we have Michelle Obama wagging her finger at everyone else, but meanwhile, her own kids aren't subjected to eating this garbage. There is a absolutely huge disconnect. Tell you what I would do is I would buy thousands of three and a half-pound big game burgers and cut it up so every kid could have maybe. I don't know, like a 10 ounce part of that burger, I guarantee you, they would not have, the school districts that sold that would not have to resort to any sort of incentive or contest without question. All right, there is something that I want to get to here about uh, that, that involves an actress by the name of Kaylee Cuoco Sweeting. She is one of the stars of. Big Bang Theory. Now, I'm not a big watcher of Big Bang Theory. It doesn't appeal to me, but it is a huge hit show done by the same producer as Two and a Half Men. And back in the day, Two and a Half Men was a primo show. Everything that we enjoy, I think, is represented by Charlie. He liked cigars. He liked whiskey. He liked dames. Uh, and he certainly liked The Good Life. But Kaylee Cuoco-Sweeting was interviewed in Redbook Magazine. And the 29-year-old star of the Big Bang Theory was asked whether she considers herself a feminist. And here's what she said, and I quote, Is it bad if I say no? It's not really something I think about. Things are different now. And I know a lot of the work that paved the way for women happened before I was around. I was never that feminist girl demanding equality, but maybe that's because I've never really faced inequality. And she added that she enjoys cooking for her husband, Ryan Sweeting, five nights a week because it makes her feel like a housewife. Now, in and of itself, those are relatively benign comments. Comments that I would look and say, look, she was very truthful. She doesn't really consider herself a big feminist. She actually thanked the fact that there were people that came before her that did work, that paved the way for women like her to be able to get paid equally, to be able to rise in their professions without having to grow a goatee and a mustache and look like a masculine male, which is what most of the feminists today of the National Organization of Ugly Women that Can't Get a Man look like. That's fact. Well, no sooner that she came out with this, that all of a sudden she was slammed on Twitter and criticized in the blogosphere for her comments, innocuous comments and she was slammed, of course, by most of these feminists that, again, don't no, don't look anything like Kelly Cuoco Sweeting, who actually is a very attractive uh, a woman, nice-looking blonde. I saw her on one of the award shows uh, earlier this week. But they found it offensive. How dare this woman speak her mind? Isn't feminism, wasn't one of the tenets of feminism that women should be empowered to speak their mind, that women should be able to say what they want, should be able to make their own choices. Isn't that what feminism was all about? According to the National Association of Ugly Women and all these these supposed feminists, that's what they jumped up and down, and that's what they picketed for, so that women could make their own choices, that women would have a voice. Well, here is a woman in the 21st century, a 29-year-old woman that is successful in her profession, television star, that is being criticized for the very item that these feminists have been rallying for for 40 years, the right for women to speak their mind and the right for women to make up their own decisions and take a lead. The Feminist all of a sudden didn't like it because she basically said, again, I repeat, that things are different now. She knows a lot of the work that paved the way for women happened before she was around. She was never that feminist girl demanding equality. But maybe that's because she said, I've never really faced inequality. And she likes cooking for her husband five nights a week. What the hell is wrong with that? She wants to feel like a housewife. That doesn't mean she's tied to the kitchen 24-7. Doesn't mean she's tied to the house 24-7. It means she, by choice, likes to cook for her man. And I ask you, is there a problem with that? The answer is no. But the feminists went berserk. So she was Kelly Cuoco Sweeting resorted to Instagram to do a little bit of an apology tour. And she said, quote, I'm completely blessed and grateful that strong women have paved the the way for my success along with many others. I apologize if anyone was offended. Anyone that truly knows me knows my heart and knows what I meant. Why in the hell did this woman have to apologize? She didn't. There is absolutely no reason for her to have resorted to an apology tour. There's no reason for her to have had to go to uh, Instagram. If she was going to say anything, she would have said, I'm sorry. Correction, I wouldn't even have said I'm sorry. What she should have said is, I'm entitled to my opinion, as every feminist has fought for women's rights, to be able to speak their mind for the last 40-plus years. If you don't like it, if you find it offensive, that's your problem. Too bad. That's all she would have had to say. She didn't even have to apologize or make any comment on that. Who the hell are these people that are jumping up and down saying that she doesn't have the right to say what she did? Again, this is what feminists have demanded. They want the right for women to be able to have a voice, an equal voice that men have had. They want their women to be able to excel at their professions, which this woman has done, Kelly Cuoco Sweeting. Feminists have wanted women to be taken seriously, to have the right to their opinions. Exactly what this woman did and what happens, these feminists and feminists wannabe jump up and down and go after her. Screw them. Why she apologized is beyond me. If you're offended, too bad. If you don't like what she said, you have the right to disagree with her. But for her to have to go and apologize to people, there was absolutely no need. If you don't like it, too bad. She is entitled to her opinion. And the last time I looked, the feminists are really perturbed because many women have figured out that the feminist movement from 40, 50 years ago is not all it's cracked up to be. That today's 21st century woman that has become educated, that has a career, also wants a man. They also want to look feminine. They also want to please their men, just like men like pleasing their women. An alpha male likes pleasing his woman or his harem, no matter how many are in the harem. But the feminists have a problem because their goose is cooked. Their narrative for the last 45, 50 years doesn't work anymore. And now when women say, you know, I had my career... And I'd rather have a family and I'd rather take my kids uh, carpooling to school or I'd rather take part uh, in being a wife where I can help my husband or I can I can look after my kids. That is such an offensive affront to these feminists because they are essentially flipping the bird at these feminists because for 40, 50 years, feminists have jumped up and down saying you have to. You have to carry the burden. You have to carry the torch for women across the world. You must be a feminist. You must grow a goatee. You must be as ugly and as masculine as us. Now, all of a sudden, women of the 21st century are saying, you know, that's not so much for me anymore. And they hate that fact. So feminism has been exposed. Kelly Cuoco Sweeting had every right to say that she didn't feel the need to to be a take-a-big-stand-as-a-feminist, and she acknowledged that there were women that came before her. She freely and readily acknowledged that. So to all those feminists that had a problem, do yourself a favor. Instead of going and criticizing criticizing this woman, Kelly Cuoco-Sweeting, and jumping up and down at Twitter, why don't you spend your time more productively? Why don't you get yourself a razor and some shaving cream and shave your mustache, shave your goatee, shave your armpits, and by God, shave your legs?
5: Surgeon General warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight.
3: Okay, people. We've just been awarded the Brickhouse Ad Account. Now, this cigar was named Best Bargain Cigar of 2009 by Cigar Aficionado. Got a 91 rating. Plus, it's the hottest cigar on the market. So, we need an award-winning slogan. He's
8: a brick.
7: How? What
8: about It's Not Your Grandfather's Cigar? Ah, it's been done. Next. How about Good to the Last Draw? Something original, people. You deserve a brick
2: today? Who are you? Do you even work here?
1: As a wissified beta male, departing as a certified alpha alpha male. male. Cigar Dave, mission accomplished.
0: Final concluding segment of this edition of the Cigar Dave Show. We're rejoined by uh, Colonel Ange in the Western New York, frigid Western New York Theater of Operations. And we've got Mick the Brit, Colonel in charge of the European Theater of Operations. Mick, I know you wanted to chime in on that uh, feminist uh, feminist story uh, regarding Kelly Cuoco Sweeting.
7: Yeah, you know what, General? She ticks all the boxes. She's got a great career, she's a good-looking dame, and guess what? She's in a loving relationship with a member of the opposite sex. Feminists hate that.
0: She sure did check all the boxes, you're exactly right, and it's Kaylee, I I'm, I misspoke, not Kelly, uh, Kaylee Cuoco Sweeting, and... Uh, Talking about dames. This this is a class. This moves into it. it talk, this is this is a relevant story about dames, but a little bit different type of dame. And I saw this uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I wanted to to get this. This was in the New York Post. A uh, big big uproar over a Suffolk County uh, politician, Steve Ballone, who is the county executive of Suffolk County. It it seems that someone on his Twitter account, whether it was him or someone else, or or now they're saying he was hacked, but that somewhere along the line, someone on his Twitter account followed a porn star, followed a porn star by the name of Belle Knox. Now, if that name sounds familiar, she is, uh, I think, an 18- or 19-year-old Duke student who, to help put herself through Duke uh, University, Had a secret life as a porn star, and she was outed by, I guess, uh, somebody at Duke, and there was a whole ruckus made when she was outed. And, Mike, the fact of the matter is she's an adult. It's legal to uh, do, so whose business is it? And, of course, I did have to Google her and check it out. Not exactly my type, but I will say that uh, she does have some impressive uh, qualities on film. But Ballone is a married father of three. He's up for re-election next year. He insisted he has no idea how his account came to be licked to, uh, to Knox, and a spokesperson said, County Executive Bologna's Twitter account, which is operated by his staff, has been hacked, and an obscene Twitter account was subsequently followed. A formal complaint has been filed with Twitter and a third-party software used to assist in managing the account, and they said that they're going to institute tougher security protocols. Well, here's my question. Who really cares if he does follow a porn star? Why don't you just admit if you did and say, yeah, I followed her. What? Why not? And, you know, to to show that, I think all of us now, Colonel Ange, you're on Twitter. Mick the Brit, you're on Twitter. I am on Twitter, at Cigar Dave Show. I think that we should all follow a porn star or two to say, screw the thought police and screw the, the Puritans that are out there. And I'm just looking here. I've got an entire list at Wikipedia of all porn stars. But I will say this. I remember vividly. The per- first porn movie I ever watched, I was at my cousin's stag party. I think I was maybe 13 or 14 years old, and I will never forget the movie Inside Jennifer Wells. It left such an indelible oh, impression yeah. on me that, and that was the old days when you had a movie projector, and I remember I was like eagerly watching every segment, and my cousin thought it would be funny if they shut off the projector and said, okay, that's it, we're done with the movies. I immediately jumped up. Turned the projector back on and said, we're watching the whole movie, which is exactly what we did. So here's your homework assignment for next week, uh, gentlemen. I want you to find a porn star to follow. And next week, I ask that not only do we follow a porn star, but all of our lieutenants stew to say, screw the thought police. So Colonel Mick the Brit, all the best in the European Theater of Operations. Colonel Ann, stay warm up in the Western New York Theater of Operations and get working on those pastramis. We'll do general. Thank you. All right, cigar dave, the general saying, Mayor humidor always be full. Mayor cutter always be sharp. Mayor Ashby ash be extra, extra long. Semper delictatio always pleasure. And to the feminists that had a problem with Kaylee Quoco sweeting and her comments, I say, go screw yourself. Go shave.